going to start off by just saying good morning. But come on, we can do better than that. Good morning. What do you mean? Yeah, when you say good morning, are you saying that the morning is good? Are you wishing that I would have a good morning? Are you telling me that you're having a good morning and you just want to let me know? What do you mean when you say to each other, good morning? And let's assume um, that maybe that you're, that you're wishing me a good morning, that you're basically saying, I want you to have a good morning. What do you mean by good? Do you mean that I've had some coffee? I hope you mean that. Um, or that it's sunny, or that I'm comfortable, or happy. What qualifies a morning as good? You woke up. That's a pretty good answer. We use this word a lot, good, in our culture. But this morning, we want to dig a little bit deeper and really think about what we mean when we say good. Is it beauty? Is it ethics? Is it some indescribable character? Is it just life itself? We're in the middle of a series right now on the fruit of the Spirit. We've been looking at two verses in Galatians for most of the summer and looking at nine different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul describes. What he says is that when you, as a follower of Jesus, walk by the Spirit, these things occur in your life naturally. Let's look at that verse just to remind ourselves of it. This is Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now remember that the fruit of the Spirit is not something we try to produce in our lives. It's not something we aim for. It's not a goal that we uh, manufacture within ourselves. This is the naturally occurring result of what happens when you walk by the Spirit. This morning, we're going to be talking about the sixth word, goodness. And we're going to try to understand the connection between walking by the Spirit and the fruit of goodness. How is it that when we walk by the Spirit, goodness results? A little over 20 years ago, Jim Collins published a book that would become a classic on corporate leadership. It was called From Good to Great, Why Some Companies Make It and Others Don't. And I mention that for two reasons, because I think it helps uh, illuminate a way that we think about goodness. First of all, most of us have a spectrum in our minds that begins with bad, maybe goes to okay, then it goes to good, and then it lands in greatness. So we think about goodness as not quite great. Pretty good, okay, a little better than okay, but, but not greatness, right? And the second reason I think this is helpful is because we live in a culture that demands we become 
great. We are supposed to work as hard as we can. We are supposed to accomplish as much as we can. We're all supposed to invent the next thing, start the next Google, write the next book, whatever it is. We live under this pressure of achieving greatness in our lives. But the truth is that many of us are crushed by the weight of that expectation. We are tired. We're overwhelmed, we're discouraged, disappointed in ourselves, and constantly feel like we're not quite great enough. Well, my hope this morning is that this message would refresh us and remind us, first of all, that goodness is a thing all unto itself. It's not a lesser form of greatness. And second of all, that God doesn't demand greatness from us. Instead, he grows goodness within us. And hopefully that can make us breathe a little lighter, make us trust God a little deeper and not be quite so forced to squeeze greatness from our lives. We're going to think about three different things this morning. First, we're going to acknowledge that goodness doesn't come naturally to us. We're not normally good. And then we're going to think about the connection between God and goodness to understand how it is that we understand God being good. And then we'll put those two ideas together to realize what it is that God's at work doing in our lives to grow goodness within us. All right, so let's begin. If you were to walk up to the average person on the street and ask them, do you want to be a good person? What do you think they would say? Yes, Yes, I, I agree. Most people want to be good people. Now, if you were to ask that same person, are you a good person? What do you think they would say? Yeah. Someone in the first service said, mostly. I think that's probably, I think a lot of people would say, I'm I'm pretty good, right? I'm mostly good. Well, someone did a survey about a year ago online, surveyed 2,000 different people. These are the results they came up with. 81% of people believe that humanity is inherently good. 76% of people believe that they are fundamentally a good person. And here's the best one. 46% of people believe they are better than everyone else they know. (laughs) What I really want to do is put all those people in a room together and then see what they all think. Some remarkable people there. See, we want to be good. We want to think of ourselves as good. We want to think of the people around us as good. We're optimists. We want to believe in goodness. But the evidence to the contrary is overwhelming. Look around at the world. If we are really fundamentally good, the world should not look the way it does. There should not be racism and violence 
and countries attacking other countries for their territory. There should not be oppression and injustice and greed and materialism and lust and sexual immorality. If people are fundamentally good, even if we're pretty good, then the world around us should be pretty good. But it's not. The conclusion is obvious. We are not as good as we think we are. You and I are not that good. Put simply, we're not good. The Bible makes this case very clearly. Listen to what the psalmist concludes in Psalm 14, verse 3. This pictures God looking down over the creation he has made, and he concludes this. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. The Apostle Paul echoes the same idea in Romans 3, 23, when he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Martin Luther, the famous reformer, had a phrase that he used to describe the nature of humankind. He said it was uh, incurvatus in se. It's a Latin phrase. Most of you probably already know what it means because your Latin is really good. Um, but the few of you that don't, I'll go ahead and translate it. It means a curved inward unto yourself. That our human nature is curved inward onto ourselves. Now, this does not mean that we are as bad as we could be. It doesn't mean there is nothing good left in us. What it means is that the standard of perfection, of being ultimately good, isn't reached by any of us. And I like this phrase that Martin Luther uses because I think it helps us to acknowledge that there is something good. The Bible speaks of this as us having been created in the image of God. There is something within us that recognizes goodness. It's just bent, curved in the wrong way, twisted, distorted. So that perhaps even all evil is simply goodness pointed in the wrong direction or, or twisted in a way that, that changes the intent. We could think about the drive for greatness in that way. This, this overwhelming need that we have in this area to be great is born from something within us that I think acknowledges the purposes of God in our lives. And yet it turns it, it twists it, it makes it about ourselves, makes it about accomplishments, about some feeling that we desperately crave. When I was younger, I think I felt like I was a better person than I do today. I felt better about myself. One of the things that's happened as I've grown older is I just become more and more aware of the areas of my life that fall short. I see all the insecurities in my heart, the, the petty rivalries, the desire for control or recognition, my own misdirected longings, delusions of grandeur, all those things swarm about within me all the time. 
And when I'm honest, when I just look at my heart, my thoughts, my inner world, I realize there is something very wrong with me. And yet there also is that that need to be good, that desire to be good, to see goodness come from me. This is what Jesus said when he was talking about this theme. Matthew 17, Matthew 7, verse 17 to 18. He says, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And so what I realize when I look at my life is that I am a diseased tree. And I hear the words of Jesus saying, a diseased tree can only bear bad fruit. But I want to see good fruit from my life. So where do I go? Well, this is where the gospel of Jesus Christ comes in. And the gospel of Christ doesn't begin with me, doesn't begin with fixing some problem I have. It begins with God and who he is. The the revelation of God begins with one of the most simple statements you can make, and that is simply that God is good. That statement itself is incredibly controversial in our culture. See, I think a generation ago, people had a hard time believing that God existed. The the decades of materialism and secularism had, had caused the idea of a supernatural God to be something people couldn't quite grasp. But today, the conversation's changed a bit. And I think today, the obstacle for most people is believing that God is good. He might exist, but if he exists, he's misogynistic and homophobic and tribalistic, and he's not the kind of God I would want to believe in. So for us to say simply, God is good, is to make a strong statement. In 2007, Christopher Hitchens published a book called, God is Not Great, how religion poisons everything. Because in our culture, it's not actually just the problem of God not being good. People see God and religion and faith as dangerous, as damaging, as hurting people. And so how do we respond to that? Well, just as clearly as the Bible speaks about us not being good, The Bible speaks of God's goodness over and over throughout the words of Scripture. We could turn first to Psalm 106, verse 1, that reads, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. We could look at the New Testament. Titus 3, verse 4, speaks of when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. The goodness of God appeared on earth. And these are just two of literally hundreds of references to the goodness of God. 
This is one of the fundamental things about the character of God. God is good. But when we say that, we have to really understand what we're saying. Because just like it's not exactly clear what you mean when you say good morning, it's not exactly clear what we mean when we say God is good. Are we saying that he's good like a good cup of coffee? Or that he's moral and that everything he does is ethically correct? Or that he has some essence of beauty that's naturally good? What is it that we're saying? And it's important to realize that when we speak of God's goodness, we're speaking of that in a different way than we often speak of things. See, when I say this shirt is red, what I mean is that there is a thing called redness, an abstraction, that when I say the word red, all of you picture something in your minds of red. And I'm claiming that this shirt matches that abstraction. Some of you who are a little bit more color sophisticated will say, actually, it's more like cranberry or some other fancy word. For the purposes of our discussion this morning, it's red. Fair enough? However, when I say the words, God is good, I'm not making the same kind of statement. I am not saying that there is a thing called goodness that we all agree on and God corresponds to that. That is actually what people mean when they say God is not good. They are claiming some standard of goodness that they have arrived at through who knows what means, and they are saying that God doesn't line up with their picture of goodness. But when we say that God is good, what we mean is that God equals goodness. Goodness equals God. There is not some third-party standard of goodness that God lines up with. God is the standard. God is good. Sometimes my kids accuse me of making dad jokes, which to me, it's, it's just a joke, right? So I say something funny or not funny, and they say, dad, that's such a dad joke. And I say to them, I am your dad. Any joke that comes from my mouth to you is by definition a dad joke, right? I cannot make any other kind of joke to my children except dad jokes. That's what we mean when we say God is good. God, by his very essence, defines goodness. God cannot do anything that isn't good in the world because his nature is good. When we say something is good, we mean that in some way it corresponds to the character of God. He is the standard. When the Bible speaks about goodness, we hear about something that's big and rich and majestic. The, the, the first reference to goodness in the Bible is when, in Genesis, we hear that God created light and God saw that the light was good. What makes the light good? Why is that light good? What, what qualifies light as good, except that in some way, 
physical light corresponds to who God is. So God himself is good. Now, the obvious objection that people will raise and that you're probably thinking of is what I mentioned earlier. How can you look around at the world and still believe that God is good? Our experience of the world is often in conflict with the goodness of God. That's a huge topic, and some of you have, have experienced incredible tragedies. So to even think about God's goodness is challenging. But let me at least give, give two answers. One is that when God created this world, he made the radical decision to allow his creation to violate his will. He gave his creation the freedom to do something that is in contrast to the way things ought to be done. We call that free will. And... Um, It means that everything that happens on earth is not necessarily God's will for this earth. But the second reason that we can understand this is that God also has the incredible ability to take something that is not good and to transform it into something that is good. We call this redemption. This is the conclusion at the end of the long book of Genesis We've seen a lot of not good things in this book, but at the very end of the book, Joseph says this of evil, horrible actions that his brothers took against him. In Genesis 50, verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So there is evil in a world because God has allowed us to choose it and we have chosen it, but also because God knows that in the fullness of time, he can transform evil into good. And that brings us back to us. If we are not good and God is good, how is it that we produce the fruit of goodness? The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 2.10, He points out that we were actually created in order to be good. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So our original intention was that we would produce good things from our lives. And yet we've already seen that that doesn't happen except for God's goodness. And that's the key. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Christ changes everything. Christ transforms us. When we put our faith in Christ, something happens within us so that that diseased tree dies in the same way that Christ died on a tree. And there is a new tree that gets born within us that because it comes from the nature of Christ, bears forth good fruit. Here's how theologian Stephen Hine puts it. He says that Christ is the vine and we are the branches means that he produces the fruit through us. 
To live in Christ is simply to bring forth the works of Christ. There are works that he produces simply by being who he is through each of us by virtue of who we are. Now, the language is a bit convoluted, but when you, when you see it, it's beautiful. Christ simply lives within us being himself and by his presence, when we are ourselves, good fruit results. This is what happens. The nature of God's goodness gets filtered through us and comes out of our lives as the fruit of goodness. When you put your faith in Christ and when you walk by the Spirit, Christ grows goodness in you. But let's define goodness here again, because when we think of goodness, when we think of good works, I'm, I'm afraid that we have in mind some remarkable, incredible actions, you know, bravery, self-sacrifice, something that people write stories about. But remember that the biblical idea of goodness is far more comprehensive. What was the first thing in the Bible called good? Remember? Light. What is good about light? It's not particularly ethical or moral, but there's something good. When you wake up in the morning and turn on the lights, you are doing something good. Unless your spouse is still sleeping, in which case it's unforgivable. So there's a fine line between goodness and evil sometimes. So as we walk in the spirit, as we follow Christ, the things that happen from our lives, they are good. Not because they are particularly noteworthy or remarkable or even necessarily benefit somebody else, but because they come from Christ living within us. And because Christ is good, they are good. And remember too, the beauty of fruit is that fruit doesn't just happen and stop. Fruit grows and multiplies and reproduces. Scott pointed this out a few weeks ago when he reminded us that when you are patient with one person, that person has a new ability to be patient with someone else. The fruit of patience multiplies in a community and goodness is no different. When your life bears the fruit of goodness, it recreates goodness in the lives of others. So next time you say good morning to somebody, I've probably completely ruined that phrase for you forever. But, but here's what I think you mean or what you could mean is that the morning itself by virtue of having been created by God is good. And because we are in it, because we are experiencing that morning, we get to taste just because we're here we get to taste some of that goodness. And even though we are not good in ourselves, that we recognize the, the swirl of temptations and distractions within us, we know that as we walk by the Spirit, because Christ has transformed us, we bear the fruit of goodness in our lives. And goodness is good enough. You don't need to be great. God doesn't call you to remarkable 
noteworthy deeds. He calls you to the simple, settled, content, beautiful fruit of goodness. We can walk in that and live our lives by that.